0: Canadian military veteran Arj Greywall is the CEO of Ventus Respiratory Technologies, a company that produces tactical respiratory gear that protects the lungs of the people who protect us. Up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. The Navy Federal flagship credit card treats members to our highest rewards and premium benefits. At Navy Federal, our members of the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. I right, would take Today we're talking with uh, Canadian army veteran Arjun Graywall goes by Arj, CEO of Ventus respiratory technologies. Arj, uh, welcome to the show. You got some great things to talk about. You got some really cool tactical gear. I didn't think respiratory gear could look tactical, but you know, looking at your website, I man, it's awesome looking stuff. So before we get into all that, uh, why don't you take us back and tell us what you did in the uh, Canadian military?
1: Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, happy to share my story. Um, so yeah, Arj, uh, I was a 20 year Canadian infantry veteran. Uh, 12 of those years were spent with our Canadian Special Operations Command uh, with with, uh, with our tier one unit, uh, where I spent uh, 12 of my years as a linguist, uh, surveillance operator and intelligence. Um, so I'd spend, uh, I, I got to spend a lot of different areas of the military, uh, joining first in 1999, uh, right before the global war on terror, uh, joining the reserves. Um, and then moved into the Reg Force um, uh, after university, and uh, directly right into to to Cansofcom. Um Global War on Terror uh, is really where I cut my teeth. Um, Canada was heavily involved in Afghanistan uh, after September 11th. Uh, my first tour into Afghanistan was in 2003 uh and then subsequently uh I spent about three years um three 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 calendar years overseas in Afghanistan uh working and and fighting against the Taliban in the global war on terror and uh operate operation enduring freedom.
0: Yeah. Um it's not mostly mostly a US fight it seems like, but we do have a couple friendly allies. So uh appreciate y'all's support in everything you've done. Um good on you. So Let's talk a little bit about your transition. You actually retired for the from the Canadian Army. So, uh, coming out, going into retirement, um, was was entrepreneurship or starting your own business at the at the forefront? What you're thinking about when you got out? Uh, not 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 really. It
1: wasn't a targeted uh, decision. Um, I kind of kind of stumbled into it uh, and and took advantage of some really great opportunities uh, and really really interesting networks. Um, so, I, I retired out of the regular force in 2018, um, and as I started in 1999, I, I ended my career in 2019 in the reserves, um, where in 2018, I actually left the military and went directly into IBM, um, where I got to work in a large enterprise. Uh, I joke with my friends and colleagues and call it my experiential MBA, um, because I got to, you know, spread myself across the business um, and and. Be a mile wide and inch deep in, uh, in in a lot of different assets and, and aspects of, of IBM Business Analytics and IBM Cloud. Um, and there, I spent three and a half years. And it, and it wasn't until about um, the end of 2021 uh, that I made the leap out of the enterprise um, into uh, entrepreneurship.
0: Awesome. And so you worked in corporate America there for a while. What was it? Where was the proverbial moment? What what triggered you to go into entrepreneurship? And where did the idea come from?
1: I just felt I wanted to do more for myself. um you know the 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 people and the business uh, that I was in at IBM was fantastic. um everybody working towards a mission. Um, but in my mind, there was too many missions going on, uh, and I'd rather focus on 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 one. Um, so leaving IBM uh, going into a a new startup here in Canada, a venture capital firm and an investment company called One Nine uh, special mission Fund, uh, where we grew a you know, defense and security focused technology incubator and accelerator, um, which we call now one nine capability labs. And and that's what I mean about like stumbling forward and finding new opportunities to take my previous experience, um, that coal face operational and training experience, um, and, and, and apply it to new technologies and startups that are looking at innovating, um, and capitalizing on, you know, the, the ever-changing threat landscape that we face
0: so you you saw the need some of the some of the special operations uh all the training and actual you know combat operations you saw the need for this respiratory gear, um, keeping the lungs and respiratory systems of of our uh, military folks and in first responders also um, you know looking at your website a lot of people don't realize just just the, the simple act of going out and you know popping off a few rounds you know you smell that that smell of gun gunpowder in it. Yeah, as a Cobra pilot, we used to we used to fire the twenty millimeter gun on the front. The whole cockpit would smell this, you know, fill with the smell of gunpowder, which was an awesome thing. Um, but, but out there, capping off a few rounds, um, you know, whether it's five, five, six, nine mil, w- whatever you're doing, you've always got that gunpowder smell in front of your face. Your live rounds are going off in front of your face. There's actually uh, you know a little bit of toxicity to all that
1: yeah you nailed it um you know definitely bring back some memories I think uh, your olfactory memory uh, receptors are the most uh, prevalent uh when when shaping and remembering your past um and I and I, and I distinctly remember a lot of the smell of the cordite uh it, it door charges wall charges uh you know it, all of that and and it certainly brings back memories but like you said uh it does have a lot of toxicity in it um so you know for ventus respiratory you know this was a Problem that we wanted to solve with a new product, um, and that problem was that special operations soldiers, service members, and 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 um, operators were working in environments and training at very very high volume. Um, so so what makes you know special operations unique among many other things is the amount of realistic high volume training they do to be ready for um, operations. And you'll find yourself firing you know a thousand to three thousand rounds a week uh in a shoot house, uh in indoor outdoor ranges or part of breaching operations. And uh what we're learning through some amazing US advocacy groups like Hunter Seven uh and Burn Pit 360 is that there is a a, a massive uh engrave plague epidemic of uh currently serving soldiers but also a massive veteran community uh who did come out of the global war on terror uh and operation enduring freedom those two decades. Uh, who are coming down with uh, really seriously serious illnesses um so when i came across ventus respiratory which was a portfolio company of one nine um you know i said this is a piece of equipment i wish i had in my bag um it's something that i wish my you know brothers and sisters in arms had as well because you know like, like like you as a soldier um you like to have optionality um and your protection ecosystem is constantly evolving. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that I joined in 1999. Um, the reason I think that's important is because eye protection wasn't a standard scale of issue item until 2003. Um, so, so, so guys like you and I see have seen that evolution, right? Like everything mm. gets improved, lighter, faster, better, um, and and focused on what the new threat landscape uh, is throwing at us. And I really believe that particulate respiratory protection, something low burden, easy to wear, um, is the next evolution of uh, that protection ecosystem for the shoulder up. Um, and also takes the place of a piece of real estate, a very important piece of real estate on the soldier that has never really taken or had a lot of attention uh, aside from aside from the gas mask, uh, which is really right now the only respiratory protection that a soldier gets. Um, as, and I'm sure you can, um, uh,
0: testify you don't like wearing it, uh, yeah. and when you have to, it sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Navy Federal Credit Union is here to help military members and their families tackle home ownership during this high rate market. They offer mortgage options with zero down payment, so you don't need to wait years to save. With their new no refi rate drop option, if you buy your next home now and mortgage rates drop later, you could lower your rate by paying a low fee instead of refinancing and paying thousands in closing costs. Flagship makes it easier to rack up rewards with higher points on travel, including everything from tolls to terminals. I know firsthand, as I've had a Navy Federal Flagship credit card for a couple decades, and we use our points for plane tickets and hotels all the time. Earn a bonus of 40,000 points when you spend $4,000 in the first 90 days. Plus, enjoy a free year of Amazon Prime. At Navy Federal, our members of the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership required. Equal housing lender. Terms and conditions apply. Loans subject to approval and eligibility requirements. Open to the armed forces, the DOD, veterans, and their families. As of May first, twenty 2023, the rates for flagship are 14.74% to 18% APR based on credit worthiness. ATM fees for cash advances are up to $1 at non-Navy federal ATMs. $49 Forty nine dollar annual fee for Visa Signature Flagships Rewards. All right, back talking with uh, Canadian Army veteran Arj Graywall, CEO of Ventus Respiratory Technologies. So, Arch, um, over the break we were talking about—would uh, w- you call it a low, um, low your, burden? Low burden. So, we were talking about gas masks. Like, you know, part of uh, part of the uh, mop gear and mop training and all that was to. Put the gas mask on and actually fire a few rounds with your M16, your M4. It was just like to get the X in the box, but yeah, throwing that thing on really almost debilitates the force when when you're fully mopped up like that. And we we you know as respiratory gear because it's also protecting eyes and a lot of your face and skin too. You know, with some of the nasty stuff out there. But your respiratory gear, your know, low burden gear really low profile. It's cool looking too, which I mean, that's kind of important. You know, guys want to wear that stuff. So it's like a, a almost like the shape of a small FAT mask or whatever. Um, so talk to us about a little bit about the development and the testing and eval process where you finally got to a viable product.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Gas masks have their place uh, in, in the soldier system, um, you know, and, and I define those as low probability, extreme threat environments. Uh, you know, so that that zero point four percent chance of needing it, you have something ready to go, and you've trained how to use it, uh, and it fits a very specific and important niche. Um, where the low burden TR2 and particular respirator kind of really comes in is all those places where you don't need a gas mask, but you still want that respiratory protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, like we've talked about a couple of times, it's, you know, in those high volume shooting environments or breaching environments where this dust and aerosolized carbonized metal and lead are being dust dusted up and put in the air and you're just constantly breeding them in. Um, and I define that as a high probability, medium threat environment. So where you're in it almost every single day, um, whether overseas or in training. Um, So where the product development really started from was taking commercial off-the-shelf masks that exist out there, um, understanding what makes them effective, and then working on the LCF, right? The look-cool factor, uh, the ability for it to integrate with the rest of the soldier system because we didn't want to bring a new product to market that also required a number of different integrations uh to be made into uh training operations and and the the current kit and equipment um and then we just pared it down uh as much as we could um you know while walking between the guidelines and requirements for certification uh which are extremely important um and are extremely important guidelines to ensure that the product that we do develop and do have and do hand to you know our brothers and sisters in arms uh, that they can trust it um, that it works it's effective it's low burden uh, it's lightweight um, and and for the product development just to answer that question again um, we did this side by side with old colleagues of mine um, you know serving and and recently retired tier one operators. Uh, we reached across uh, our networks into the five eyes, you know, speaking to um, you know friends in in in, DevGuru, in Delta uh, over in the SAS in UK, um, and we and we put prototypes in their hands and got their feedback on on what they'd like to see in a mask, and and we built it from the ground up using all that feedback.
0: Mm-hmm. And that that feedback loop, you're able to develop it. You you try one, try one product get the feedback, go redevelop it and start over. How many times, how many times you go through that process before you're like, okay, I think we finally got something here. Oh, I, I think from
1: whiteboard to CAD to, you know, 3d printed prototypes, we must've done this thing a hundred times, wow. uh, always trying to get it, get it right. Um, and then, and then going into production, obviously, you know, bringing back those samples and testing them and fitting them and making sure everything works.
0: Yeah. So requires a lot of R and D and product development, all that it's, what were, what were you, what were you funding it with?
1: Uh, so we had a, a great investment partner out of one nine, uh, Kensington capital as well a Canadian, okay. um, investment firm in Toronto. Uh, they really saw the vision, uh, but they're also really altruistic about the problem we were trying to solve. Um, and you know, my, my business partner and friend Glenn Cowan, who is a founder and, and runs one nine special mission fund. He's a former operator, squadron commander at our tier one unit. Um, and it really close to that problem as well. Understanding it, knowing it, um, and, and seeing that plague that epidemic of respiratory illnesses across the network. Um, that same network that I just mentioned, you know, who, who, whose hands we were putting it in five eyes and NATO, um, you know, brothers and sisters, um, you know, they, just, they, they're just passionate about trying to solve this problem, uh, and trying to mitigate the risks that we now know and every day are learning more and more about, um,
0: yeah. Yeah so it works really well with the toxicity with gunfire and everything else in a tactical operation. Does it work against uh, like tear gas and c s and that kind of stuff too?
1: not not yet. Um so the filter we have there's always this um this balance between uh, comfort and protection, yeah right whether, whether you know no one's run, running around wearing a full ballistic shield, you're wearing a plate. um mm-hmm. you know you you choose the right helmet for the right operation or training that you're doing, whether it be a bump helmet, a ball cap, or a full ballistic. Um, and I, and I think this, this would be the, the best analogy I would have to it. It's like, it's kind of like your bump helmet, uh, as it compares to a, uh, gas mask, which would be your full ballistic helmet. Sure. Um, so right now the filter and that, that space that we've, fit this, you know, P2C certified particulate filter into, uh, could only really take, uh, per, uh particulate and, and we're filtering down to 99% of dry particulate and oil-based particulate, um, You know, I I constantly remind investors and friends and colleagues that, you know, we are Ventus Respiratory Technologies. Uh, We're constantly developing and innovating new ways to uh, fit more capability into that space. Um, And I I think in the short term, we'll start being able to um, mitigate against those gases.
0: Okay. Uh, If somebody wants to give us more information on Ventus Respiratory Technologies, how do we find you?
1: Uh, So online, uh, ventusrespiratory.com. Um, you can call me. <laughs> you can email me. <laughs> uh, you know anything you put in the show notes, uh, I'm I'm happy to to, to awesome. jump on it. Okay. Um, we I'm I'm very passionate about this. Uh, I I do think that there is a room for something like our particulate respirator to be in the cargo pocket of every troop, uh, every soldier, um, and and really let them make the decision when they want to use it. Uh, but of course, there's a duty to care from the leadership that I'd love to really see push down the requirement just as we are on the firing line, you know, the last two words you hear is eyes and ears, uh, before you go hot. Um, we're hoping that, you know, Ventus TR2 will be on that firing line and it'll be, you know, eyes and ears and lungs, um, so that you're protecting yourself as much as you can.
0: Awesome. Talk a little bit about, uh, maybe some numbers you can share with us, like, uh, you know, how many masks are currently in use or, um, in production and all that, uh, wh- where are you guys at?
1: Yeah. So, um, I, you know, we really got a a before certification and an after certification uh, story, uh, and I really like focusing on the after certification because it's the best product we've put out there so far, um, and and we've achieved certification in Europe in uh, early this year, and since then we've been uh, adopted into trials and evaluations across uh, a number of special forces units in Europe. Um, and as as well as some infantry units. So we've got about uh, three hundred masks uh, out the door right now in Europe uh, in the hands of operators uh, going through their trials and evaluations to see if they can you know onboard this as a standard uh, issue piece of equipment. Uh, in Canada, you know, through our own network, our own friends network. um we've we've deployed uh, probably about three hundred masks as well into to u s uh, and and Canada. Um, one of our flagship stories is uh, the Houston SWAT team uh, have outfitted their entire team. Uh, with the TR two, our comms cable, our helmet strap, um, and, and a number of filters, yeah. uh, and to use in, in in high volume training that they do.
0: Yeah, So you guys are like really. I mean, you you've made it in, but you're like really at the beginning. You're just uh, waiting for the massive orders to come in, right? You know that. I mean, <laughs> this is a new button This yeah. is a brand
1: new class of protection for soldiers. Uh, yeah. Let let alone we're not we're not we're not you know displacing a piece of equipment that exists. We're bringing a brand new piece of equipment to market. Um, we've done it, you know, very design and client oriented and minded. Um, so yeah, getting it in their hands, having them try it on, seeing how lightweight it is and easy it is to breathe is really, really helping, uh, push that adoption.
0: Yeah. So I'd imagine your, your, your network in the military, military units across different countries and everything was pretty instrumental in being able to get this into the hands of operators and if not for just R and D and test and development, um, sales too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I think the the network that we have we're we're, we're really blessed with. Um, I, I had an amazing career in the military. Um, you know, every enterprise has its issues, but you know the the exposure, the training, the friendships uh, that I had, you know, uh, along and in many countries, uh, a lot of NATO countries, and, and especially the flybys uh, was a tight group. So, and the message to most veterans who are starting businesses or are or, or in business, when you validate something. it it has extra weight, uh, especially within the the sphere of national security and defense. Um, if you say this works or this could work, help me out. Um, that network is, uh, pretty accessible to anybody. Um, but yeah, you nailed it. We, 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 I I feel my network is, is a commodity. Uh, it's an asset in in my business. Uh, it's just hard to quantify.
0: Yeah. So when did you retire again?
1: 2019.
0: Yeah. It's, it's fleeting. (laughs) It doesn't take many years before all of a sudden, you're old and you don't know anybody anymore. <laughs> you <laughs> only totally right some I, of that I, already. It's, like a it's, year it's, or two and all of a sudden everything's changed. Everybody's yeah.
1: changed. Yeah, no, you you you're right again. Um you know we 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 say it's about a 5-year life cycle. I'm I'm on the edge of that life cycle. Yeah. Um uh I, I luckily I still have a lot of friends who are still serving, uh still operating uh so they're easy to reach back to and ask some questions and get some feedback. Um uh, that, but the and the other aspect of uh, the fleeting nature of the network is that where, you know, when Glenn Glenn and I left the military around the same time, um, those who stayed in kept ascending the ranks into leadership positions, senior leadership positions. So that's an interesting network to be able to leverage as well um, is those that you did work with and operate with over that 15, 20 year career. Um, when you leave, you know, that 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 machine still keeps churning and growing and building out, you know, uh, great leaders uh, who have big responsibilities. Um, so for us to be able to reach back and just say, Hey, uh, remember, remember me, <laughs> yeah. I know you're now the program officer of X and just love to you know chat and, and share my company. So, um, that's been a really interesting tool to be able to leverage as
0: well. Yeah. You definitely got to build that, that, uh, that network outside the military, uh, in a parallel way too. So, um, how well was your, how strong was your civilian network when you first retired in. Talk some about, you know, building that civilian network, you know, especially when it comes to investors and, and raising capital.
1: Yeah, I I thought it was okay when I was in the military and looking out. <laughs> it wasn't until I got out that I realized how small that was and how small that circle of uh, yeah. um, of, 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 of friends and networks were in the civilian market. Um, but But I think there's also... What What aided uh, me building a new network was a lot of people respected you know the service. They really respected the uh, the the job that I had and and the tools and attributes I brought to the next job. So so, you know i'm I'm specifically speaking about leaving the military and going into IBM. Um, but just the, the the respect and admiration for um how you know mission planning, i e. project management is done in the military and and what you can bring across into the civilian world. Um, is it, just if if delivered correctly, it is is a is a force multiplier for any organization.
0: What were you'd been spent some time in the civilian world before you started your business, but as you started your business, what were looking back on? What were some of the blind spots that you had, and how were you able to compensate for those? Oh, good question. You know, usually it's along the lines of like bookkeeping and finance and you know, raising money, raising capital, those kinds of things. things yeah. We don't yeah. Typically I would say that, well, the military. All, all, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. All of, all of that and more, um, a lot of blind spots. I think, you, you know, you, you learn on the fly, you pick up what you can. Um, and, and, and I go back to that word attributes. I just think it's, you know, there's, there's no fail mentality where, um, you, you pick up what you learn, you, 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 and then you, you apply it in your next pitch, your next, uh, you know, board update, um, your next financial consolidation or business planning. Um, having the right people around you is so important, whether they're civilian or or, or veteran or military. Um, I've got a CFO who's, you know, not only becoming a friend, but she's a mentor, um, you know, teaching and having the patience to, to to, you know, help me fill those blind spots um, around financing and accounting, which certainly I'm glad you, you mentioned that one. Cause that, that was a big one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, if I were to, if I were to take everything, you, you know, you mentioned in my blind spot, I would say the fact that you're kind of unsupported, um, you know, when you're, when you're an entrepreneur, you're out looking for support and pulling that in when you need it. Um, whereas in, in the military it's, it's all around you, right. It's you, right. you are supported wherever,
0: wherever yeah. you go. Um, so that, that was a pretty eye opening. Yeah. So, um, Go back and, and I, I kind of asked this question once before, but like, how are you able to have the wherewithal? I mean, you, you kind of skipped over it. Like, uh, like how were you able to raise money for this before you had even sold one product? Um, you, you mentioned you had a venture capital fund and a good investor, but you, you had to pitch it to them. How were you able to raise your awareness level on how to pitch and how to raise money like that specifically? Uh, was it mostly spend some time at IBM help with that or? Where'd that all come from? Cause that's not a natural thing for most military folks to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was, again, the people that you surround yourself with. Um, so I, so I mentioned Glenn, uh, you know, business partner, he'd been out for a couple of years. Uh, he wasn't at IBM. He was, you know, you know, wor- working on his company. Um, so he was a huge asset to me learning and understanding the pitch, um, how to articulate it, how to tell a story. Um, and then um, the the founder of, of, of Ventus, uh, Rich Saz, um, you know, who's a friend, he he'd been grinding and 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 getting, you know, in front of investors and teaching me how to do that correctly. And um, you know, Rich and I still worked, we worked together at at, at Ventus. He's uh, the president and founder, I'm the CEO, and you know, he we're we're kind of like a command team um that learn from each other and 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 get this out there. But uh, I think in terms of how did how is that raise done, um it, it's the passion for solving that problem, um, you know, and being really realistic and pragmatic. Um, and focused on the mission plan um, we're, were all things that really helped get us that, uh, that, that initial investment.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you know, the, the simple easy way is, well, I'll just get, have a job and fund it myself, but something like this, is, is way, it's way too expensive to be, you know, unless you happen to be you know, personally rich somehow. But um, So then it has to turn to, well, how am I going to convince other people that this is a good idea and bring their money in? So it's, it's a big step. Um, and if you can, if you can do it successfully, then, you know, you're, you're off and running. So, uh, you, like you said, you probably have had a hundred, hundred, iterations of your final mask product. Um, so it takes a lot of money, a lot of time, like, and it's not just a, I'm going to call up China and have them make something for me real quick and sell it on Amazon. It's a, this is like a very lengthy process back and forth. It probably took like, like literally when you, when you first started until you actually had your finished product that you took to market? Like how long, how long was that? Uh, I'd say that was about
1: three years. So, so I came in and, oh, yeah. and took over Ventus as, as CEO um, about a 16 months ago. Uh, so, so I re- really credit credit is due to, to, to rich, um, you know, founder and president who uh, did all that hard early work of yeah. uh, rapid prototyping. Um, and I would say that, you know, the hardware, game is tough um, but it's become a little bit easier with the advent of uh, 3D printing, rapid prototyping, a lot of design firms sure. out there that you can you know bring in and, and contract. So um, you know costs have come down for for trialing and evaluating new hardware and new ideas uh, and manufacturing them in small scales also been uh, is a little bit a lower barrier than it probably was about 10 or 15 years ago. Um, so, so, so again, back, back to people, um, and, and, and back to the work that was done before I even got there. And I'd love to take credit for it, but I can't, those guys yeah. did a lot before yeah. I got there.
0: So, okay. Funny question. How long do you think it'll be before, um, we'll, we'll see your, your tactical mask in, uh, Xbox games and, in Halo and Call of Duty.
1: <laughs> that's uh, that's when you know I say, arrived, right? <laughs> I, I would say, uh, it happened about eight months ago. Um, oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, so no kidding, our that's our, awesome. A, a variant of our TR2 that looks a lot like our TR2 um is actually in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 4. Oh, that's as, awesome. <laughs> as, a skin, as a skin that you can buy um and I don't know if it's still available, but it popped up, you know, in our in our circle and I remember uh sharing it with the team as soon as we found it. Uh, it was actually one of our subcontractors who found it for us. Uh the Horangi Warfighter Call of Duty 4. Uh look it up it's uh it's badass, and uh it reminds <laughs> me a little bit of myself because it's uh it's the skin itself is called the executive warfighter.
0: <laughs> did you know that was coming like you you guys pushed to get the, put put that in there to just happen, and then you discovered it
1: yeah it was it was organic um <laughs> yeah awesome. we we reached out to their leadership just to say, hey, we support man, like we're not looking for any uh any money out of this, no licensing deal like you guys with the fact that you guys are taking respiratory. Um, you know, and putting it into the, you know, future warfighter skin. We love it. Uh, like, uh, let's go. Tell us how to support.
0: Man, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Well, I'm glad I asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. All right. So i uh, give you the last word, Arch. If you're talking to somebody that's getting ready to get out of the military and they don't know if they want to do the corporate America cube farm lifestyle, want to start their own business, run their own show. What kind of advice comes to mind?
1: Um, Probably the best exercise that I did was uh, looking five years out and doing a time estimate. Um, And that time estimate, you're asking yourself, who do I want to be or where do I want to be or what do I want to be doing in five years? Uh, Because it takes about that much time to get you where you want to go. And if you can start doing that and penciling it or whiteboarding it before you leave the military, uh, leveraging podcasts like these, uh, jumping on LinkedIn and looking at resumes of what other people have done to achieve what they've wanted to do. Um, I, I did that, and and in my horizon, I had myself as a COO because uh, I like the hands-on execution, mission planning, uh, hasty ops, if you will. Uh, that that COOs do. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. Five years out of my 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 role, and when you walk that backwards, you realize what kind of education you need, uh, what sorts of networks you need to be aware of and leverage. Um, but also, it gives you a long-term view uh, because that that is something that is eye-opening for transitioning veterans is how long things take uh, to get established. Uh, So I'd say that'd be my, my advice. Uh, Where do you want to be in five years?
0: Awesome. All right. Sage advice. All right, Arch, thanks for uh, sharing your veteran entrepreneurial success story. Look forward to seeing the uh, future success of uh, Ventus respiratory technologies.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for letting me share uh, my story and helping out, uh, I'm sure hundreds of thousands of veterans and uh, transitioning vets.
0: All right, awesome. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.